a moment of self-absorbed thoughts that elevated selfishness to a new level. A moment of complete denial. The lack of willingness to see what was unraveling right in front of their eyes. A moment of hidden motives unveiled and shoved to the surface so that light could illuminate them. A moment of absolute resolve built built on a foundation of shifting sand. A moment of complete brokenness as reality came into focus. I can just picture Jesus sitting there at the dinner table. One of those surreal moments where if you could just push the slow motion button, everything would just come to a crawl. Countless memories and moments churning through his mind. Moments that made him smile, moments that made him laugh, moments that still left a bitter taste on his tongue. And he kind of pushed back from the table as he leaned back and he looked at his best friends. And all those moments came into this crystal clear picture. I can just imagine Jesus sitting there in that moment, knowing what's to come, knowing that in just a few brief moments, the chaos that was going to ensue, the drama that was going to unfold, the terror that was going to rise up from within. And he started looking around the circle. I wonder if his ears just kind of picked up to this conversation that was being held kind of to the side as two brothers try to one-up each other, trying to position themselves. And I wonder if Jesus just sat there saying, really? At this moment? At this time? I wonder as Jesus sat there listening to this conversation kind of go on, his eyes connected with Judas. He said, go. I know what's in motion. Complete what you have started. And then quickly his eyes shifted to the guy that was closest to him. And he said, yep, you too. It's going to happen to you. And in that moment, Jesus did what he always did. 
In Luke chapter 22, he says that he made his way to the Mount of Olives. His disciples, his best friends followed him. And there he prayed. As usual. As usual. You see, Jesus didn't go to pray because life was really difficult at that moment. Jesus didn't go to pray because he was trying to get out of his impending death. Jesus didn't go to pray because he was hoping against all odds that a miracle would happen. He didn't go to pray because he had no other recourse. He went to pray because that's what Jesus did. That was the foundation of his life. Before his ministry started, 40 days of fasting and praying. Before intense seasons of teaching and ministry, he prayed. When he got tired, he prayed. When amazing miracles occurred, he prayed. When he was at wit's end with his friends, the disciples, when they didn't get it, he prayed. When religious persecution came against against him, he prayed. When people were talking about him because he actually was loving the unlovable, he prayed. You see, as usual was part of his DNA. It's who he was because he realized something so foundational. That prayer, communicating with the Heavenly Father, is absolutely essential to having a relationship with Him. You see, it's in those moments of prayer, and Jesus got this. It's in those moments where your heart connects with the Heavenly Father's heart. Where your heart beats in step with his. And in prayer, it's in those moments where you hear his still, small voice. Because God's not going to talk over you. He's not going to shout over you. He's going to wait until you're ready to listen. And it's in prayer where you realize you're in step with God Almighty where you see his path laid out in front of you, where you realize where he wants you to go, and you realize that when you pray, you are in step with him. And it's in prayer where you experience his presence the closest. And so Jesus, as usual, did what he always did. And he went to the garden to pray. As they entered into the garden, it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 40, it says that on reaching that place, he said to them, his best friends, pray that you will not fall into temptation. You see, in Matthew, 
it's recorded that Jesus said to them, pray and watch. Be on guard. You know what Jesus was saying? In that moment, he was saying, I need you. He was looking at his friend saying, I know for the past three years, you have leaned on me. For the past three years, I have encouraged you. I have been your strength. I have been your foundation. When you felt weak, I was there. And when you felt discouraged, I was there. And when you didn't know where to go, I was there. And when you didn't have the answers, I was there. And in, in that moment, Jesus was saying to his best friends, now I need you. So will you please pray with me? Will you pray for me? Because in this moment, I'm going to need your strength. I'm going to need your encouragement. I'm going to need your discerning power. I'm going to need you in my life. Because I know in this moment, I will be at my weakest. And he said to his friends, please watch and pray. And please don't fall into temptation. Because there's nothing that Satan doesn't want to do more than right in this moment to distract me. To keep me off focus. And so Jesus went and starts to pray. Matthew records that he came back at one moment and the disciples were asleep. And he woke him up and said, hey, I asked you, please, pray and watch. And that's when he said these words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went back and started praying some more, and he got up off his knees, and he went back to his best friends, and guess what he found? A second time they were asleep, and that time he left them alone. And the third time when he came back, He said, now it's time. You know what's amazing? Right in that moment, I wonder if there was a part of Jesus that said, really? I'm going to do everything for you. Can't you do one little thing for me? And doesn't that storyline still kind of reign true today? Jesus has done everything. And sometimes I wonder just personally how much I've actually done for him. Verse 42, Luke records a simple prayer from Jesus' mouth. Father, if you're willing, if, if, if there's another way, Can we work that out right now? If 
There's another way to unfold this plan. Can we discuss it? If I can do something else, if you see in this moment, Jesus gives us such an amazing lesson on prayer. Because how many times do you pray? Do I pray? And we get so ticked off if God doesn't answer the way we want him to answer. And we just assume God doesn't care. We assume that God's not there. We assume that God's just unattached. We just assume that God is just out there somewhere because if he really loved us, if he really cared for us, if he was really there, he would answer our prayers exactly like we have asked. And in that moment, Jesus was saying to you and I, God's plans are always perfect. And we might not understand them. And God's plans are always perfect. And they might be really difficult for us to live through here on this earth. And God's plans, his plans, we need to submit to them. Even when we don't get it, and even when we don't like it, and even when it hurts so bad and the pain becomes so overwhelming Jesus' pain in that moment Luke the physician said that drops of blood formed Jesus' emotional state and his physical state was beyond anything you and I have ever ever experienced. And Jesus still said, if, if, if you're willing, God. So maybe next time we're going through one of those moments in life where we don't get God and we don't get why God is allowing things to happen, maybe our prayers should sound a little bit more like Jesus and said, okay, God, man, if you're willing, but not my will, but your will be done. That your will be done. And in that moment, Jesus said, God, in all my humanness, I don't want to go through this. But it's about your will. In this prayer, Jesus said, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. What did that cup represent? You see, so many times we we focus on the pain and the agony that Jesus humanly faced on the cross. Oh, and that pain was unbearable. That agony 
You see, that's not what made him have drops of blood forming on his body. It was about this cup. It was about this cup. You see, in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17, it says, Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. And in Jeremiah chapter 25, it says, Take from my hand this cup, filled with the wine of my wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send it, send you drink it. You see, this was a cup of God's wrath. Do you realize that God's wrath occurs more time in the Bible than his love? And so many times we focus on God's love, which we should. But we spend so very little time focused on his wrath. And what Jesus knew was he, he was going to have to drink from the cup of God's wrath. He was going to consume his wrath. Him dying on the cross... Because God is sick of our sin. He has been since sin entered this world, and he will be. And his justice will reign. And what Jesus knew, that he was the last sacrifice. That his blood was going to cover it all. For your sin and for my sin. See, here's what Jesus knew. Every time our mouth disgraces God, and every time your eyes have wandered, and every time you have rebelled against God, and every time you have denied God, and every time you you have put conditions on your love, And every time that you have not served someone who needed to be served. And every time you have not given God the credit for the blessings in your life. And every time you have twisted words and manipulated situations. And every time you haven't loved your wife like Christ has loved the church. And every time your words have torn people into shreds. And every time that your selfish motives have dominated the situation. And every time your pride has filled up a room. And every time your arrogance has filled up a room. And every time your sin... And Jesus knew. That when he drank of this cup of God's wrath. For you. For me. When he consumed our sin. That he would be separated. From community with God. That our sin would separate a son from his father. And he was saying, God, please, if there's another way. And that's why on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
in Isaiah chapter 53. This is what it says. This is the message, kind of paraphrase. So still, it's what God had in mind all along. To crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin. So that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. And out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it. And be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones. As he himself carries the burden of their sins, therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly. The best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest and he took on his shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. You see, Jesus, when he hung on that cross, he saw you. He saw me. And when he hung on that cross, he knew. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And when he hung on that cross, he knew. That so many times we would be the ones asleep. And when he hung on that cross, he said it's worth it. Even when Even when God's wrath was upon him. Even when and so on this Good Friday. Let's never forget it's more than the pain and suffering of him on a cross. It's about this cup that he willingly drank from because he loves you and he loves me so very much.